morning. morning. I greet you all this morning in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ as we come for worship this beautiful Sunday morning. Just a couple of quick announcements that I'll draw your attention to. We will meet tonight at 7 o'clock for prayer. Everyone is invited. Uh, Our church council meeting will be May 23rd at 7 p.m. with a worship committee meeting at 6. Um, Next Sunday, we have a couple of things to draw attention to. Next Sunday will be our next coffee hour before the service, so at 10.15. You're welcome to join with people in the hall for a light snack and some tea and coffee. Also next Sunday is our kind of our giving Sunday, I I guess we could call it, that we will collect items for the Northside families through the school system. But also we will take donations for the food bank, and that would be cash, uh, monetary donations for the food bank. They prefer to take it that way. Um, any other announcements to share this morning? I have one. Yes. I heard from uh, Patricia, who everybody knows hasn't been in church for a while, and she has had health issues, and she's going through treatment. She's had one week over, two to go. And she wants everybody in the church to say prayers for her. Mm-hmm. And she feels like, of course, that we're part of her family. So that's, I'm passing it along. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, I have one too. Yes. Um, next Sunday, if anybody is interested, and if it's a nice day and you feel like a drive, um, there's a hymn singing and organ youth concert at Calvin United in New Waterford. Maybe some of you have been there, and they have a new organ, so they're dedicating their, or they're showcasing their new organ. Um, so yeah, so I'll be there playing, and a bunch of other people will be there playing, and there's a hymn sing. Next Sunday, what time? Next Sunday at 7. 7, okay. Good. Anything else to share today? Just take a moment to quiet our hearts as we prepare to worship our Lord this morning. This morning, we welcome Jesus Christ, light of the world, in our midst as he leads us and guides us through all that we do and all, that we, and all how we live. So thanks be to God. Amen. We're going to start this morning with a bit of a praise song, uh, Your Love is Amazing. It's something we sang a number of times last summer, so I just want you to stand as we sing together.
responsive psalm, Psalm 131. God, my heart is not proud, my eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with matters too great for me, with marvels that are beyond me. But I have stilled and quieted my soul like a weaned child nestling to its mother, like a child is my soul within me. O Israel, hope in God, from this time hymn this morning is blessed oh sorry opening prayer let's pray together lots of openings lord your presence among us causes us to celebrate your greatness we thank you god for this opportunity to worship you be with us as we seek to grow in our faith and draw closer to you through your son jesus christ our lord amen now let us sing together blessed assurance
scripture reading this morning is taken from 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 to 7. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, requests, and thanksgivings be offered to God for all people, for kings and all others who are in authority, that we may live a quiet and peaceful life with all reverence towards God and with proper conduct. This is good, and it pleases God our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to come to know the truth. For there is one God, and there is one who brings God and mankind together, the man, Christ Jesus, who gave himself to redeem all mankind. That was the proof at the right time that God wants everyone to be saved, and that is why I was sent as an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles to proclaim the message of faith and truth. I'm not lying, I'm telling the truth. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord, we gather today to sing our praises to you, to offer ourselves to you, and to be one with you through Jesus Christ our Lord. So may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Worship comes in all kinds of shapes and forms. We don't just worship God either. We worship sports teams. Did anyone hear how the Leafs did last night? Because I sure didn't. We worship movie stars. We worship many things. Many, many things. And if you go to different churches, especially if you visit other denominations, you'll see that even how we worship God on a Sunday morning can be quite different when you go from church to church. I've been to churches where you walk into the service and you sing songs for like the first half hour. And then the preacher comes out and preaches for up to another 45 minutes or an hour after that. And then you leave and you go home. Some churches have elaborate prayers and follow some written guidelines in their liturgies from their denominational books. Some focus more on sacraments. Many are like what we do here at Carmen. There are times when I feel like I might try to do something different, to use a different form of worship on a Sunday morning. And we've done that a few times on a rare occasion. But honestly, sometimes it's just more work for me to do in the run of a week that maybe I don't have time or energy for. So we default back to what we normally do. There's nothing wrong with what we normally do on a Sunday morning. But sometimes you wonder if you might consider mixing it up for a change or do something a little different now and then. And we, we, we have experimented in worship together before. Um, last summer, we moved to Wednesday nights, trying something different, trying a different style of worship a little bit. And we're going to try something different again this summer on Wednesday evenings. We've had prayer services here on Sunday mornings. We've had different styles of Ash Wednesday services. We've had bands in here. We're not, we've not been afraid of trying something new. And some of these things have worked, and some of them maybe haven't worked quite so well, but at least we're willing to try something different. What I'm trying to say, I guess, is how we worship doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter how we do it. What matters most is who we worship. Which is why I like going to different churches when I'm away. Different denominations. I like to see how other churches conduct their worship. I like to experience different styles of music and prayer and preaching. When I go to churches that are too close to ours, I often find myself kind of evaluating. Like, how does that work here compared to how we do it? So sometimes when I go to something that's quite different, I actually find I can relax a little bit more. But those services where you go and you sing for up to a half hour and then the preacher preaches for up to an hour and then we just leave, I find that a bit jarring, actually. I enjoy most of the service, but then when the preacher stops and just says, we'll see you next week, and you get up and leave, it just feels like something's missing. I like that last little bit of song that we do. It kind of feels like I get my chance to return my praise to God. and it feels like the service ends a little more naturally. If I don't get to sing that last little bit of praise to God, I feel like 
something's missing from my day. But if it works for them, I, I don't criticize. I just know, I guess, what I prefer. Usually those churches have a lot more people than we do on a regular Sunday. So you can't really, you have to consider that as well, maybe. I don't know. But again, how we worship is less important than who we worship. In a reading from 1 Timothy chapter 2 today, Paul touches a bit on worship. He gives some kind of basic instructions in chapter 2. Our reading begins with Paul saying, I urge you then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. We know that the early church spent a lot of time in prayer. They would gather in a house, they would sing some songs of praise, they would tell the stories of Jesus, and they would spend the most of the rest of the time in prayer. And at the start of a reading today, Paul is giving some instructions on how to maybe structure some of that prayer. He says that our prayers, our petitions, our intercessions, our thanksgiving, which is all just different words for prayer, really, in the context of a church. He says that these are being made for all people. He says we are, we are to pray for everyone, not just ourselves, not just for our family, not just for our church, but to pray for everyone, for kings and leaders, for rulers, for strangers and friends, for Christians and non-Christians. We are to pray for everyone. Why? Why is it so important that we pray for everyone? Well, Paul goes on to say that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And he continues. He says, This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of of the truth. So our prayers are not just for Christians to be safe or wise or successful. Our prayers are for everyone so that they may be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth which is found in Jesus Christ. When we have our prayer meetings on Sunday evenings, we have a list of categories that we pray through. We pray for ourselves, we pray for our families, we pray for the churches in town, and we pray for our community. And in these prayers, we're not just asking for protection. We also are asking God to intervene, to make himself known, to reveal his truth to those whom we are praying for. In other words, we pray people meet God and experience his presence in powerful, peaceful, loving, and healing ways. And in our prayers, we're also praying for our community leaders, whether they're leaders in the church or schools or businesses or in government. We're praying for them to all know God in their lives. Now most of the weeks, there's only three or four of us here praying. It doesn't feel like a lot, to be honest, and we, we, we would wish more people would come out, but we trust in the words of Jesus from Matthew 18, 20, where he says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. When we gather in the name of Jesus, he's with us. He's part of our prayers. He's part of our worship. He's part of wherever we are, whatever we do, when we invite him to gather with us in that place. Paul reminds us Jesus is our mediator between heaven and earth. He is the connection between ourselves and our Lord God. And Jesus gave his life as a ransom for everyone on this earth so that we would know God more and be saved. Paul said, all people. We pray for all people. Jesus came for all people. 
He didn't say it was just for the Jews. He didn't say it was just for the Christians. He didn't say it was just for his family or, or whatever else. Paul said all people, and, he's, and this is correct, this is true, because this is truly who Jesus came for. Jesus taught and did miracles among all the people, even the Gentiles, the foreigners, the people who were not Jewish. Jesus came for everyone. He, he, he turned no one away, no matter the background, no matter the social status, no matter their genealogy, no matter their nationality. Jesus welcomed all people. Jesus came for everyone in order to help them encounter God for themselves. Jesus is trying to show them a better way to live and a way to experience God for themselves. And Paul says his purpose, his purpose to become a leader in the church is because he has a specific ministry in mind. And that is to reach kind of the foreigners, the, the outsiders with the stories of Jesus. The early church had a tendency to kind of stick to itself, to focus their ministry on just the Jews, because Jesus was Jewish, all the disciples were Jewish, so they tended to try to stay with their own. But Paul understood his call to be much wider than that, to bring the good news of Jesus to all the people, no matter who they are. Paul was so profoundly changed by Jesus, he wants everyone to know him. If we had continued on in our reading from 1 Timothy chapter 2, in the second half of that reading of the chapter, he begins to address how people are to conduct themselves in worship. Now, though these verses on how to conduct ourselves in worship have been used to silence women in the church. They've been used to keep women from being pastors and leaders, like on session or boards or whatever, in the churches of which they are a part. Now, I think you can imagine that I would take issue with the use of Paul's words in this way. And yes, if you take these words at face value, on their own, Paul is telling the church that women cannot be preachers or teachers or leaders. That's part of the problem. People take those words on their own. They ignore what else is being said in the whole, in the whole wider biblical story. So now we've kind of laid the groundwork. What did Paul say? So towards the end of chapter 2, 1 Timothy, Paul says this. A woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man. She must be quiet. For Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. But women will be saved through childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with propriety. Now that seems pretty straightforward, right, when you read it? Paul says he does not allow a woman to have authority over a man. And he blames it kind of all on Eve. Now we need to pause and consider something. Who is Paul writing to? Paul is writing to Timothy, one of his students. And where is Timothy? Timothy is in Ephesus, a land that has a bit of a cult following around a god-like person, a female god named Artemis. And the whole of the region is still under the rule of the Roman Empire. So in verse 11, 
Paul says, a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. When he says that, he's actually stirring up a bit of trouble. Allowing women to learn in the Roman Empire is basically unheard of. Women are for cooking and cleaning and making babies at the service of men. And now Paul says they should be allowed to be educated. This is kind of a radical thing. Now by bringing Eve into the conversation, Paul could be highlighting, could be, that Eve sinned because she wasn't fully educated in matters of faith. Like Adam was. She didn't have all the instructions like Adam had. Now Paul's ignoring the fact that Adam also failed and sinned in that same moment as Eve. But it's a possible interpretation. And you could also claim that, well, hey, Adam didn't exactly teach Eve the rules either, so it's kind of on him. So it's a bit of a stretch, I think, but you can see where he's coming from. So if you take this verse, these verses, and single out these as a full authority on a woman's place in the church, this is problematic. It's problematic not because we don't agree in a progressive society, you know, where we want to celebrate the breaking of the glass ceiling for women in various industries. It's problematic when we look at it from the wider biblical story. So, for example, in the book of Joshua, there's a woman named Rahab. Rahab is a businesswoman. She's an entrepreneur. She's a leader in her city. She's also a foreigner. She's not Jewish. And she gave instructions to two Israelite spies who were sent to kind of scope out the city. And by following her instructions, they were spared being arrested and punished. If you turn to the book of Judges, there's a woman named Deborah. And she's a well-respected and sought-after leader. In fact, the Israelite army general Barak frequently went to Deborah for leadership and how he should lead his army. Turn to David, he listened to Abigail and she, he was spared a bloodbath. King Lemuel depended on his mother's prophetic words frequently. King Josiah sent an elite all-male delegation to receive prophetic instructions from Huldah. Huldah is a female prophet who helped them understand what this new book they found that had been missing. It was the book of law, the book of Moses. They had lost it for generations. And when they found it, they went to Huldah to figure out what to do with it. Now those are just a couple of examples from the Old Testament. We could pull out a whole bunch more. And people might say, well, that's fine. That's the Old Testament. What really matters is the New Testament. Okay, so let's look at the New Testament. Days after Jesus was born, he was taken to the temple as a baby. And in the temple, there was a prophet who recognized him as a very special child of God. And the prophet's name was Anna. One day later on, Jesus was out with his disciples crossing the countryside, and he stopped by a well for a rest. And as the disciples went into the city to buy food, a woman came out to draw water from the well. The Samaritan woman, we know her story. When she recognized Jesus as the Messiah and wanted to rush back into the city to tell everyone, did Jesus stop her? No, he sent her to tell everyone what she had learned. Mary Magdalene, the story we just looked at a few weeks ago on Easter, she was chosen to share the good news of Jesus being risen with the men. 
She was told by an angel of the Lord and by Jesus himself, go tell the men what you have seen and learned this day. And off she went. Again, these are just a couple of examples from the New Testament of women leading and teaching men. So now, if you take Paul's instructions on their own as the final word on the role of women in the church, you are wrong. It is wrong because you are ignoring the biblical precedent already put in place by Jesus himself in examples. And if you look at these stories, the men had no problem receiving the instructions from women. It seems clear that these women were respected as leaders among the men. And think about it. This is a highly male-dominant society. This is a patriarchy. Yet somehow, in recent decades, men have decided that Paul has the authoritative word on the issue. It seems to me that these men, not many of them, but some, have been threatened by women somehow. And they're trying to control them. And it seems to be getting to be a bigger issue now, as you see the American-style politics continue to ramp up this thing where men try to seek, seek to control women's bodies. Now, I could go on a whole rant about this, but I'm not, because it will take us away from our worship. Our worship of our God who loves all his children. He loves all people, and he wants us all to know him through his son, Jesus Christ, who gave his life as a ransom for our sin, so that we may live. What does it mean to worship? It means we gather together, men and women alike, to praise our God, to pray for, for, for one another and for everyone, to learn together, to learn from one another, and to grow in our faith and our understanding of God in our lives. Worship, it's not how we do it, it's who we do it for. We, draw, we worship to draw closer to God, to learn of his way, to pray for his people, and to be strengthened by him for the work that lies ahead of us. The work God is calling us to do to change the world around us if we trust him to lead us and guide us as his faithful children. My friends, God is with us. He is here. And he's guiding us as his church and his people to make this world a better place for everyone. So let's go with God following in the example of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, proclaiming God's love in word, action, and deed, so that others may know him as well. God will use him, use you, if you learn from him, if you trust him, and you share what you have learned with others. Go with the strength of God in your life this day, and seek to follow him wherever you may go. Amen. Let's join together in singing, Come, let us sing of a wonderful love.
Let's join our hearts together as we pray for everyone here today. <coughs> Lord, we gather here aware of your presence among us, aware that you are calling us to lead one another, to learn from one another, to teach one another, and to reach out into this world in love and service. Lord, we thank you for the blessings of life. We thank you for friends, for neighbors, for loved ones. We, we thank you for everyone who touches our lives and is part of our lives. We thank you for this church and the ability to gather here, to learn and grow together so that we may learn and grow in your service when we leave this place. Lord, we ask you to be with us as we pray for everyone. As we pray for ourselves, as we pray for our neighbors, our families, and our town and community. And so God, we lift them up to you now. Lord, we lift up to you ourselves. As we seek to be your children as we seek to follow in the footsteps that Jesus has laid out, is leading us through, as we follow in his way. Lord, we ask you to work within us, to soften our hearts, to fill it with your love, so that when we go out into this world, people will know the love that we carry is yours. And it can be shared through simple acts of love and kindness, through simple words of affirmation and love. Lord, we pray for our families. Lord, we all know people in our families who struggle day to day. And so we ask you to bless them, to bring them healing, to touch their lives, their hearts, through the acts of ourselves and through others who are around them. Lord, we pray for our church. Lord, we pray that we be a faithful people. We pray, O oh God, that you will guide us in all that we do as, as, as one body, using all the gifts that we share together to love and serve our community. And Lord, we ask you to show us ways in which we can do this faithfully. Lord, we pray for our community, we pray for our schools, we pray for the businesses in our town, we pray for those who protect us, our fire department, our police, our ambulance services, our first responders, God, we, we pray for them. We pray for our government, oh God, both here in CBRM, the province, and our country. Lord, may the, 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 the rising division that we see in politics in Canada, may, Lord, may it be changed to unity. Yes, there's room for healthy debate, but Lord, may it be healthy debate for the good of all people. Lord, we pray for our world. 
There are many places of violence in our world. We pray for Ukraine. We pray for Sudan, oh God. We pray for your healing presence to come to these people, these countries, these places, these leaders who seek to inflict war and violence. Lord, we pray for your peace to come. And Lord, we still hear of horrific stories of shootings in the United States. Lord, we pray for peace. We pray for protection. We pray for wisdom. And Lord, we just pray. We pray, O oh God, now for those who we wish to bring before you this day, those who are on our hearts and in our minds. Lord, we know that when we gather to pray, to worship, to learn, we know that when we do these things, Jesus is with us. And so Lord, we thank you for his presence here today. We thank you that you have heard our prayers and that you will act. And Lord, we know that sometimes when you act, we also must act. And so Lord, we thank you for giving us the faith to follow where you lead. And we lift all these prayers to you for healing and protection and comfort and care. We lift all these prayers in the name of Jesus. And we pray in his name as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. As we respond to the goodness of God in our lives, we offer back to God a portion of what he has blessed us with. Our offering will now be received.
us pray. Lord, you have blessed us abundantly with your love. In our appreciation of the gifts you give, we respond by offering all we have in the name of our risen Savior. Amen. Our closing hymn today is All the Way My Savior Leads Me. and that Jesus leads us all the way. That when we go from this place, Jesus walks with us so that we may share the love we receive from God with those who are around us and we may teach and learn and grow together. Let us go in the name of our Lord God, Jesus Christ, and our... May we go in the faith of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we go with God and His Holy Spirit with us each and every single day. Amen. <laughs>